So this uh, note was left on my door last week. It says, we prayed for you today. So I'm feeling pretty confident. I have a prayer team. It's uh, Colton Thompson and Cohen Galloway and Lane Wooten. So uh, I appreciate those young men doing that. And hang on. You know, I believe God has something good for us to, to hear this morning. <clears throat> One night when I was in college, I went fishing with a friend at Barren River around sunset. I was pretty familiar with that section of the lake. Um, I knew where we were going to go. We, we put the boat in the, in the water and headed down the lake and followed the shoreline. We camped out kind of under a bridge where we were going to fish. It was about a mile from the marina. So we sat and fished as things around us got darker because this, this fog rolled in around midnight. And it was shielding any of the moonlight that, that was around us. And by the time we were ready to pull up and head back to the ramp, you couldn't see anything. I mean, like 10 feet, you couldn't see, you, as you say, you couldn't see nothing. Uh, and I thought, well, this, this won't be difficult to get back there. I'm pretty familiar, you know, with this part of the lake. I said, we'll just go slow. We'll follow. We'll go underneath the bridge, the other shoreline. We'll follow the shoreline back around the point, which is right where the ramp is. And so we puttered along for about an hour. I thought, we should have seen the ramp by now. And ended up right at the same spot where we left an hour later. So we decided to sleep in the boat until we could see again because we were in total darkness. I mean, there was no way we knew where we were going. We thought we did, but couldn't have been more wrong about that. <clears throat> so I paint that picture, and then with the help of Greg and the story this morning, I wonder, have you been in the dark like that before? Maybe not so much physically, but rather a dark day or a dark place, a dark season, uh, a dark night of the soul. Think, of a, think about a time when the author of Psalm 88 was writing down your experience when he wrote these lines. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. <clears throat> you have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? And then the psalmist ends with this dismal thought, darkness is my closest friend. Darkness is my closest friend. <clears throat> that's a bad day. That's a bad time. <clears throat> I think some of my darkest moments have come when I've somehow discovered someone I thought I knew wasn't who I thought they were. I was truly in the dark. I didn't see them truthfully. I was fooled or tricked or manipulated, and now I feel betrayed. And the closer you are to the person when this happens, the darker the space around you as you walk away from them. A husband who's abusive, a business partner who embezzles, a church leader who exposes your secrets. And darkness also rolls in when I'm the one who has let someone down. I couldn't be or, or do what they needed me to be. I had a friend in campus ministry at Western uh, who took his own life, and I didn't know. None of us knew. There were a lot of us who were his friends, and we just didn't know. He was in such a dark place. Sometimes darkness envelops us when we realize we don't really know what we're doing. We don't really know where we're going or what's, what's next. We don't know how to get out. We don't know how to start over. We don't know how to stop the spiral of doom that we're in. <clears throat> I don't know what might be the thing that takes you out, but for me, one of those things is, is a feeling of incompetence. Uh, if I have a task to do which I'm not equipped to do, that can take me out pretty quickly. Situations like that lead me to a, to a dark place. 
Sometimes darkness moves in when someone who loves us smacks us upside the head and shouts, what are you thinking? Because it looks to me like you're not thinking at all. Sometimes the darkness hits when you hear the words, it's over, I'm moving out, or this will require some surgery. We can arrange our lives and our thoughts so that we live in the darkness for long stretches of time, functioning and continuing to please and continuing to stumble around in the darkness. And then one day, unexpectedly, out of nowhere, almost surprisingly and supernaturally, this light shines in and illuminates and exposes and uncovers what's really going on. And a path is, is brightened out of nowhere. A light is revealed that leads us out of this darkness. I've watched most of the Chosen series about three times now. <clears throat> and we've watched it at Life Group. We did it here on Wednesday night, and then I'd seen it, you know, when it first came out. And this show has helped me understand some things about Jesus' ministry, which I hadn't thought of before. And one of my favorite characters in The Chosen is Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Uh, I didn't realize this, but there are only 6,000 spots for these Pharisees. Uh, so he had to you know, be somebody to get in one of those spots. They pledged to spend their lives observing the law. Nicodemus was also a member, uh, a member of the Sanhedrin. That was the ruling council for the Jews. Nicodemus was, was living in darkness, but he didn't have any idea that's where he was. He didn't know he was walking around in the dark. He thought he was getting along pretty well. He had a good job. Seemed to have some security, maybe a retirement plan. He was a solid corporate employee, a good rule keeper. I would guess that he probably had a strong marriage, a supportive wife. It must have been something he heard Jesus say, or maybe he heard about what someone else heard Jesus say. Anyway, he decides to do his own research, and he goes straight to the source. He takes off after sundown, in the dark of all things, to find Jesus. And when he finds him, Jesus turns the light on for him. Jesus talks to him about what it looks like to come into the light, to enter the kingdom of God. And I love it when Nicodemus so innocently asks Jesus, how can this be? That's a darkness dweller kind of question. And you can read about their conversation in John 3 if you'd like. In fact, Jesus turns the light on for quite a few people in the Gospel of John. Light seems to be one of John's favorite themes. Listen to Jesus' final words to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what he has done has been done through God. That's how it happens sometimes. Out of nowhere, God kind of flips on the switch. And what you didn't see two seconds ago now is crystal clear, or at least it's gaining clarity rapidly. Light has come into your world. That's what happened to a woman trying to mind her own business at a well in Samaria. Some stranger greets her at this well, and he talks to her about her life. In fact, he connects with the darkness she lives in every day of her life. Shattered dreams, friendlessness, isolation, abandonment, rumors. And Jesus gives her hope that she won't find in any man, in any law, on any mountain, in any temple. And you, do re you can read about that conversation in, in John chapter 4. That's how it happens sometimes. Sometimes you, you look up and you see for the first time what you'd been given up, what you had given up on years ago, a lifetime ago. And here it is. Here, here he is right in front of you with a promise 
that changes everything. He says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Light has come into the world. That's what happened to a man found sitting by a pool in Jerusalem near Bethesda. This man hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. A guy he's never met asked him a question he's never been asked. And on the surface, this question appears to be extremely rude, highly insensitive, and maybe just plain inappropriate. The question from this unfamiliar voice thrown his way is this, do you want to get well? Doesn't that seem like an odd question? What crippled guy wouldn't want to walk again? What kind of question is this? Perhaps the bigger question behind the spoken question comes from this unfamiliar voice, are you sure you want to get well? Is that really what you want? You see, one well-worded, aptly timed, boldly spoken question has the power to turn the light on, especially when Jesus is the one driving the question. You can read how this story turns out in John chapter 5. Maybe you've been in the chair with the spotlight in your eyes, nowhere to hide, just you and the question. Do you really want to go down this road? Is this the way you want people to remember you? Is this the legacy you want to leave? Is this the model you want to give your kids? How does it feel to be used by Satan? Do you honestly want to stick with that story? When the question hits us in the heart, the light is painfully blinding. We want to run. We want to hide. We, we want to cover our eyes and close up our heart. It's a great question at the right time. In fact, it's the perfect question. Are you sure you want to get well? Light has come into our world. From a spotlight to a soft light, from an are, sure, are you sure you want to get well to an I'm on your side, that's the way this next person's story plays out. Dragged out of the bed, out of an illicit embrace, out onto the street, out into a front, in front of a group of men, out through the darkness of one setting into the darkness of another, a space void of grace or compassion or love. That is, until Jesus turns on the light. You can read about this story in John chapter 8. First, Jesus deals with the, the darkness of hypocrisy and arrogance with a strong challenge Kill her if you want, he says, but only if you're innocent yourselves. And so the, the guilty walk away, every single one of them. And then he gently turns back toward this woman. She's kind of a victim, but not exactly. She's there by her choice, but not completely. Sometimes the light gets turned on by a compassionate word or a touch that says clearly, I know how you feel. Sometimes we may live in darkness because no one believes we're lightworthy, because no one has ever believed in us at all, believed we can be different, believed we can live differently. So the light that came into the world gives this woman and us not just permission to be changed, but the grace and confidence and promise that life can be different, that my life can be different. Listen to the soothing words Jesus offers this woman. He looks her in the eye and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Those words from Jesus carry the potential to flood our heart with light. 
After meeting these people living in different kinds of darkness and giving them the opportunity to live and walk and run and play and love and worship in the light, after showing he means what he hasn't yet said, Jesus finally says what we've all seen in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus' claim shouldn't be all that surprising at this point in his life. He's been turning on the light for all kinds of people in all kinds of situations for several chapters now in his story. However, the scene Jesus is in when he makes this claim is packed with meaning. And I don't want you to miss this. Jesus is in the temple treasury, which is inside the court of women, which is inside the court of Gentiles. Now, around the court of women, there was a porch where there would be plenty of room for larger crowds together. And along the wall of that porch were 13 bronze receptacles called the trumpets, because they were shaped like trumpets. And in those trumpets, worshipers would place their offerings. Each trumpet was for a different fund. You had the temple upkeep fund, you had the purification fund, the wood for the altar, the cost of incense, the upkeep of the golden vessels, the thank offering, and a few others. The temple treasury was a really busy place. There was a constant flow of people in and out, coming and going, bringing their gifts, putting them in these trumpets. And right here is where Jesus makes his claim, I am the light of the world. And that's not all you need to know. When Jesus makes this claim, what's going on is the festival of tabernacles. And on the evening of the first day of this festival, they had a ceremony called the illumination of the temple. It happened in the court of women where Jesus was standing. And there were four large candelabra in the center of the courtyard. And after the sunset, these four huge candelabra were lit. And it was said that those candelabra sent out such a blaze that throughout Jerusalem, every courtyard lit up with their brilliance. And then all night long, the greatest and wisest and holiest men in Israel danced before the Lord. And they sang songs of joy while the people watched. It's with this backdrop, Jesus says boldly, I am the light of the world. Not a light, not one of many lights. I'm the one and only light. William Barclay offers some insight into this temple scene as he paraphrases Jesus' words. Jesus says, you've seen the blaze of the temple illumination dispel the darkness of the night. I'm the light of the world. And for those who follow me, I will be the source of light, not just for one festive night, but for the pathway of life. I am the light which will never flicker or die out. I am the light which lasts forever. What a perfect context for Jesus to say out loud what he's been living out loud for some time now. All through John's gospel, you'll find this theme of bringing light to dark places, and you'll see Jesus helping people move from darkness to light. And this theme is so prominent in John's gospel that you may get the idea that, that moving from darkness to light is, is, is no big deal. But listen again to the words Jesus says to Nicodemus. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what he has done has been done through God. These words were spoken a couple of thousand years ago, yet they are so very true today. Especially, I want to pull out of that section just a few, a, a phrase, a line that said, men love darkness instead of light. 
Men love darkness instead of light. Can you relate to that? Is, is there a dark place in your life that you would prefer not to be lit up? Let's think about light for a few minutes. One of the effects of light is that light is repulsive. One of the apartments I lived in during college um, was not all that great. It was, uh, you could say, on the other side of the tracks. And when you'd come in at night and turn the lights on in the kitchen, it's like the countertop was alive and moving, you know, as these roaches scattered into their respective corners because they hated the light. They couldn't deal with it. The light was repulsive to those little critters. And there are some traits and some ways of doing things, some thought patterns, which we don't want to change. When the light comes on, we, we run. Even though they are dark, these places, these things about us, we don't want to deal with it. We're simply not motivated nor interested in changing. When the light shines in those dark places, we have a different kind of defense mechanism that kicks in. We may try to ignore the light, just like keep our eyes shut really tightly. We may try to turn the light back onto the one pointing it at us, letting them know they have no right to point out the darkness because they have too much darkness of their own. We may choose to justify ourselves. I know, but look at the good stuff I'm doing over here. Or we say, I know, but I'm not as bad as this person over there. We may try to pass the blame. I I can't help it. If you knew my story, you'd understand. Sometimes our pride rules the day and we walk away thinking, I can do what I want and you can't make me change. The bottom line is there are moments when we are repulsed by the light and we justify our chosen darkness. And as Jesus says, we love darkness instead of the light. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to be exposed to the light because light reveals the truth. The light reveals the truth about ourselves, the ugly truth, the raw and bitter truth. That's why we're so good at comparing ourselves to other people and not so much interested in comparing ourselves to Jesus. We can't handle that kind of truth. We need a good deal of humility or maybe desperation to walk into the light or sit in the light. We try so hard to make sure people know we've got our lives together, but then we have a moment of weakness which someone witnesses and we can't hold it together. And we can't continue with the charade, bearing it, covering it up, pretending everything is good. It's just not working any longer. And then the light comes into the world. How do you respond to that exposure? The light also reveals the truth about Jesus. In John 8, after making this claim to be the light of the world in the temple, uh, the Pharisees immediately charge at him with their theological arguments. Listen to their words. They say, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony isn't valid. Where's your father? Who are you? We are Abraham's descendants, they say, and we have never been slaves to anyone. <laughs> By the way, that's a great line that's absolutely not true. <laughs> what about Babylon? What about Egypt? What about Pharaoh? You know? As a nation, Israel was defined by seasons, long seasons of captivity and slavery. All right, guys, I get a kick out of that line. They say, we are not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. And all through this tense session with the Pharisees, the truth about Jesus is being revealed along the way. Light reveals the truth about us. Light reveals the truth about Jesus. Light also reveals the truth about salvation. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and whoever follows me, whoever follows me will have the light of life. Eternal life doesn't come by accepting a set of rules. 
Eternal life doesn't come by following a particular pattern perfectly. Eternal life doesn't come by making a promise to be good. Eternal life isn't inherited by birth. Salvation and eternal life come through a rebirth. Eternal life comes through embracing the truth about Jesus, trusting absolutely in the promise his death secures, and hoping absolutely in the truth of his resurrection. In John 1, Jesus says to all, John writes, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Eternal life comes through Jesus plus nothing else. One more effect of the light that's worth mentioning. Light gives assurance. When you're in the darkness that you don't want to be in, when you walked into a dark place and now you regret your choice, when you're in a dark predicament, regardless of how you got there and you're begging to get out, any ray of light brings hope and assurance. Can you imagine how incredible the faintest flicker of light would be to you if you've been trapped in a cave in total darkness for, for days? I was searching for any speck of light that night on the boat. A single flicker of light, it changes everything. Light is so important to us. Light brings warmth and peace. Light opens new pathways and promotes growth. Life offers hope. What is is your favorite light? Is it the morning light, the start of a fresh day, a new day's dawn for you to make a little difference in someone's life? Is it the noonday sun? You're going fast, making deals, getting things done, and living up to God's great name that you wear, and you don't want this day to end. Maybe it's twilight, the time in the day to take a breath, to be thankful for the grace you've been given all day long. Is it the moonlight, the time to rest peacefully, knowing you're not alone ever? Jesus says, I am the light of the world, all day, all night, no darkness ever. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we wrap this up, I want you to hear the first couple of paragraphs of John's gospel, and then we'll be finished. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The true light who became flesh invites you to come out of the shadows and out of the darkness and into the light of life. Maybe you'd like to be prayed over today for the light to to brighten a path for you. Maybe you would like to be baptized today to let the world know your desire, your promise to walk in the light of Jesus. This church family is here to be a light in your life any way that we can help you. Let's stand together and sing.